Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hey, everybody, it's Mike and Steve here. And I think, Steve, this might be the first time that I'm kicking off an episode, right? It is, Mike. And I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you being the driver and host of, of this episode. We're, we're switching it up a little bit. And uh, it's actually our first audio-only option. So all you people that watch us on YouTube or on Spotify, today you're only getting audio because Steve and I ain't about to get all did. So what we wanted to bring to you all is a special bonus episode and this episode, we're going to talk through and present the undisputable DNA of a flop. And so basically what we're going to do is Steve and I are going to talk through the top six things that make a flop. And we're going to present this as fact. It cannot be disputed by anyone. And from there, we'll talk about what that means a little bit more. And then we'll wrap up the season entirely. Steve, how does that sound? That sounds great. I, I feel like we've been compiling this list uh, over the course of the past two seasons. Yeah. So it, it clearly is um, fact and uh, gospel. So uh, I'm, I'm ready to dive in. That sounds good. You know, if we do a really good job, Steve, it's just Mike make Urban Dictionary under flop. So we have to really try hard for this episode. So anyways, Steve, you're kicking us off, right? Number one. Number one is poor lead single performance. So traditionally, lead singles have been very important, especially for pop artists, which is um, the genre we cover the most. And between streaming and radio, uh, if, if the song doesn't catch, uh, it normally is a detriment to the album that follows. Mike, what's number two? The time between albums. Artists do not take a long hiatus, sometimes. You can't underestimate the time uh, between the albums. And Steve, obviously, we've seen this with Michael Jackson, Christina Aguilera, Eminem. Some artists just take way too long to record. And I will say, though, there are exceptions to the rule. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But let's get to number three, Steve. Yeah, number three is sort of in that space. It's stark changes to genre and abandoning your fans. So we find this uh, frequently that we uh, cover in terms of flop albums is artists' most personal albums. And a lot of times those are considered their flops. Think of Miley Cyrus, Younger Now, Justin Timberlake, Man of the Woods. Shifts in genre often uh, result in a misstep because it's not uh, that artist's sweet spot necessarily. And uh, it definitely goes against the grain of, of why a fan has become a part of that fandom. All right, Mike, so what's number four? Lack of cohesion, Steve, either sonically or on a narrative. When we've seen albums and we were, we've reviewed them over the last couple of years, crazy to say, but like Britney Jean, right? Sonics are all over the place. It's not consistent. And that often has contributed to a flop. Or on the other side of the story narrative, it comes off as inauthentic, like Lady Gaga's flop band that we just talked about. Sometimes people just abandon it and you are going to get a flop. Steve, number five. Number five is unrealistic expectations. We were talking about this even before recording is you can't flop unless you were on top at some point, right, Mike? So I think that this is what we see in terms of flops that 
you know, when we revisit, we often find to be, in fact, not flops. You think of Lady Gaga's art pop uh, as an example, came after 1.1 million first week sales for Born This Way. So no matter what she delivered, it was going to be a come down. And that's what we've seen uh, from Fergie, from Katy Perry, and from Michael Jackson. Uh, so with that, Mike, what is our final uh, piece of the DNA of a flop? Steve, it's probably the one I'm most passionate about, the power marketing aspect. Uh, we saw this with Michael Jackson's. We saw this with some of Madonna's albums. If a label gives up on an album or it's just not marketed properly, it's gonna, you're going to get a flop. There's no question about that. Steve, those are the six. We just went through them. Let's talk about a little bit more. And Steve, we have to talk about poor lead single performance, right? I mean, talk, talk to us more about what that means to you and what are maybe the most floppiest leads that you've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I think back to our last two seasons, uh, I think Madonna's American life, uh, especially with, with pop artists, specifically singles driven artists. And I don't want to say Madonna is a singles driven artist because she has some great bodies of work, mm -hmm. but I think that for many pop artists, they're seen as singles artists. So when American Life, I believe, hit number 37 for eight weeks um, and compare that to music, which went number one for 24 weeks, uh, that was just a foreshadowing of things to come for Madonna. A big one that we just talked about recently was Lady Gaga's Perfect Illusion. It hit number 15 for six weeks and her lowest peak from any other studio album was number five. So mm. it's the first single that wasn't a top 10 hit. That is like the beginning of an era. It's, it's kind of a setup to your sound. And I think with Perfect Illusion, it falsely set up the narrative of the albums, which, which led to the poor performance of the album. Mike, yeah. does that ring true for you? Oh my God, totally, Steve. And like, I'm like thinking of Rihanna actually, because I, the other day for New Year's Eve, I, for some reason was up until 5 a.m. watching Rihanna concert videos. And basically what kind of, I was like, wow, I forgot she released Bitch Better Have My Money. She released American Oxygen, all these one-off singles before she actually got to Auntie, and which was her, her record, her most recent record. And she purposely, kept those as one-off singles not on the album because she didn't want to equate that poor lead single performance to the album, right? Them being a flop. And I think we've seen her successfully pivot and remove the stigma of the poor lead singles and have a, an actual, you know, bop and a half of a record. You make a great point about Rihanna and, and kind of the standalone singles. It's almost like a test to see what sound really resonates. And then you can kind of build your album around it Something uh, artists we just talked about, Rihanna, comes up in this time between album slash hiatus bucket, because as I said, there are some exceptions to the rule. Um, and I was talking with my bae the other day as we're watching the Rihanna music videos, and we're like, do we think she'll come back strong, right? I mean, she's waited how, how long now? It's been 2016 since her last record. So I do think that when you have someone of a really strong megastar quality, like Adele as well, you can take the luxury of time and have a really deep, long hiatus and then come back and just like guns blazing. And no matter what you release, people are going to be listening. I mean, Rihanna has strong anticipation on the, on the Twitter world and 
I think there are, are artists that can take a hiatus, but most of them cannot. What are you, what are your thoughts, Steve? I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think Adele is a bit of a unicorn with someone who like can literally not be in the public eye and then release an album, you know, five years later and have people listen to it. Rihanna, I think there's a lot of hype for her next album, which she's, she's kind of dragged her fans along for quite a while, but I think Rihanna's been in the zeitgeist with, uh, with her makeup brand you know, she almost had the antithesis of what she's doing now earlier on in her career, where she was just releasing album after album, kind of like Justin Bieber style right now. So I I totally hear you on that. I think when you talk about like Fergie's double Duchess, remember, I mean, that the length of time between albums there, Michael Jackson's Invincible, uh, to name a few of the albums that we've covered. But I completely agree with you. I think you, I think for the most part, you have to keep you know, yourself in the public eye to some degree, like a Lady Gaga or J-Lo doing movies, for example, as a means to stay relevant. I think you saw that with Gaga coming back with A Star Is Born. It wasn't necessarily a solo studio album, but there are other ways to broaden your career if you aren't, you know, the Adele's and Taylor Swift's of the world. Steve, let's talk about the stark changes in genres and how some flops have abandoned their fans. Who comes to your mind? Yeah, I, I have, I wrote down four albums that we reviewed and I spoke to two of them earlier, but Miley Cyrus, Younger Now, definitely. No, I never hurt you. If you fall, I pick you up and I drink your tears. But how can I miss you so much when you're right here? Three of these are like personal folk albums. So Miley Cyrus, Younger Now, Justin Timberlake, Man of the Woods, Lady Gaga, Joanne, and then additionally, uh, Christina Aguilera with Bionic. And that was a throwback to season one. <laughs> I don't necessarily think Bionic abandoned her fans, but I think that it it took her music into a less like radio friendly um, space that people turned on quite quickly. And I think it's a, a lot of these albums also are like the time that they were released. Bionic might, you know, be was ahead of its time. Welcomed. <laughs> was, we say that all the time, but I know. Uh, it was, it, it would be more warmly welcome today because it is a little bit more, if you think of Double Duchess, like a little bit more female empowerment and, and talking about things that women didn't necessarily talk about at the time that these were released. But I think the biggest thing here is these changes in genre that I think, you know, Drew said this in our previous episode about Joanne is like, Lady Gaga does pop music the best. Like that's that's where that's her bread and butter. And so when you when you distance yourself from that, it's probably not going to be as successful at first as like the work that you previously did. 
And also when you have strong fandoms, they're, they're only willing to follow you along this pathway for so long. But I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah, honestly, Steve, I 100% agree with everything you said. And if anything, the only thing I would add to that is that we should have had a seventh kind of rule of a flop. And that should have been be a pop artist that releases a country album. So give me the hostel. It kind of makes you real. I'll be there when the storm comes. Because I want the hostel. It's just to stick in your lane, especially when you know who your fans are. And perhaps you may not have a flop. Not all the time, but perhaps. So how are you supposed to take a risk then, Mike, is the question. Like, is there a calculated risk that you can take that isn't necessarily a stark change in your genre? Or can we think of an example that's like, oh, this was successfully done? The first thing that comes to mind for me is like a folklore by Taylor Swift, because she Mm. changed her genre, but she did it very successfully. So I'm just questioning, like, what can we learn from that? Yeah, I feel like the space is reserved for those like extreme mega pop stars or stars in general, right? Madonna, the queen of reinvention. She has gone all over sonically and for the most part succeeded with them, right? And so Taylor Swift is definitely on the same plane as Madonna, right right below her, might I add, but still in the same pain. Um, and when you have that status, you can do it. But I also think that there's something between, the thing about Madonna and Taylor Swift specifically, their most successful albums, we just talked about Folklore and let's take Madonna's Ray of Light. Those were primarily produced with the same group of people. And Madonna is very intentional with who she goes in the recording studio with. So Ray of Light, she pretty much recorded with two people, uh, William Orbit, and I think Patrick Leonard is his name. And from start to finish, that album is all them. And same thing with Taylor and Jack Antonoff, right? Love him or or hate him. Like he he creates a consistent sound. To your point, it has to be like an authentic shift and not a calculated one, which I think maybe a Joanne, a Younger Now, and a Man of the Woods might be a little bit more calculated than authentically interested in bringing the roots and folk music to life like maybe a folklore did. Well, that, and talk about Sonics itself, and that's the fourth one we talked about, Steve, lack of cohesiveness, sonically or just in your narrative, and something that might be a sneak peek for season three, I don't know, we'll see, Um, Smile by Katy Perry. Like, I couldn't tell you what the focus and the narrative of that album was, or what the sound was. Like, there were songs, like, not really over, like you said, it was a little more dance poppy, right? And then they had more EDM driven songs on it. And then she had more stripped back songs and more traditional pop. And it's like, where are you going with this? And I think that when you don't have a strong, consistent anything on the record, you're going to have a flop. And, you know, it's also from the story perspective, just with Joanne, right? With Lady Gaga, it came off very inauthentic. She didn't know her aunt. She wrote the album 
allegedly, according to Drew, the last episode, uh, to help her, her heal her dad. So when there's it's, a lack it's of- It's all con- fact. It's all fact, Mike. Oh, there you go. Fact. I don't want to get sued, Steve. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, I mean, when you don't have cohesiveness, like it, you're just not going to have a really strong foot forward there. Um, the last thing I'll say on this before I want to hear your thoughts is Madonna's last couple records have not been that successful. And I'm going to attribute that to the fact that a lot of those uh, albums were not cohesive. She didn't work with the same producer from start to finish as she did her her earlier mid-career work. So I, that really plays a strong, strong role in the DNA of a flop. we're going to be seeing more kind of cobbled together albums to gain more streams. Let's hear from you. I'm curious for unrealistic expectations. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, Katy Perry was on my list uh, given that, you know, teenage Dream spawned five number one billboard hits. And then we covered witness, right. Um, which if you look back in terms of commercially witness was not as much of a come down as uh, smile has been in terms of sales. Famously, Art Pop, which we both agreed is not a flop, uh, had had really great sales. Actually, her first week numbers were in in line with all of the big pop female artists that year of Miley Cyrus and Katy Perry. Um, but after 1.1 million in first week sales from Born This Way, uh, it felt like a big come down, and people were like, "What has happened to Lady Gaga?" So, you have to be on top at some point in order to truly flop, and that's why most of the you know people we cover are very famous celebrities and musicians in their own right. Um, because at one point they were on top and, you know, one of their albums or multiple of their albums didn't uh, reach those, those same heights. Sometimes artists do it to themselves by creating way too much hype for an album. Like, let's take Donda with with Ye. I mean, Ye did it to himself, right? Hyping it up, you know, having these huge album listening parties, um, having uh, it delayed multiple times, and then you start to create unrealistic expectations for the the impact it can actually have. So, I think artists tend to do it to themselves. And so, Mike, I want to hear your your final piece to the DNA of a flop and, and chat through that one. Yeah. And honestly, it could be poor. It's poor marketing, but it can also be poor PR, poor advertising, everything in, in basically the Marcom world. And we've seen this happen with the Michael Jackson episode, right? And 100%. Steve and I, yeah. And we did our research, right? And like, it clearly it was blamed on the label for not marketing the album. I 
I think Steve with, with social media specifically more and more, we see artists calling out their labels. I think Charlie X is actually doing this recently um, when they're not feeling supported and the fan bases will often come for their next too. Like Britney Spears, like I'm on her um, breathe heavy blog and I read it all the time. And they always come for RCA records because they say that they failed her in promoting her last several studio efforts. So it, the proof is, is in the pudding, right? It's all there when you don't properly or even effectively market an album, you're not going to get the traction. We, we, Cause I think what happens is labels think automatically fan bases are going to consume it up. And that might be true, but you're not really going to make an impact without the proper marketing and promotion around it. Like maybe like the weekend may have so that you can go beyond your fan base and truly have a, a bop album. Yeah. But I think of, I mean, I think of SZA recently has come out and said something similar that she's not getting the radio push or the, you know, payola. Playlist, the payola, but her, <laughs> her singles are performing well on streaming. So clearly, you know, her fans are supporting her Adele, you know, she took billboards across the world to real, to kind of announce 30, you know? So, and she's like one of the biggest artists in the world. So even her, her caliber of artist is is really yeah. putting the marketing dollars behind you know uh the album the artists have to promote their work too um and i think like there is a lot of flack for lady oh, yeah. gaga not promoting chromatica for example if an artist isn't 100 percent like posting on social media and supporting their work doing live performances when they can that's definitely going to affect the performance obviously as well and so it's more than just the label it's the artist too oh 100 i mean we see that a lot. And I, you know, I think does it really well. Dua Lipa for her last era. Um, what's it called? Future. I, I want to say future sex love sounds, but, <laughs> um, but like with that one, like I turn my head around no matter where I see Dua Lipa. Right. And, and she was all over the circuit on a night, late night television and award shows. And she does a really good job of hawking herself out. And I'm glad she's doing that. But I think artists get, they rest on their laurels as soon as they make it big and they don't, they don't think they have to do that. But I do think it plays a strong role and will always play a strong role in a, a bop. Yeah. You'll definitely see that more at the beginning of people's careers that they'll put that much work into the album promotion. Steve, I think with that, we are officially wrapping up our season. I know we said it was over last time, but we have a bonus episode for y'all. And we're actually curious to hear what are we missing from the list? Um, because we will copyright this entire list and claim it as our own. So anything is missing, go on um, to Spotify because actually we have a polling option um, and you can submit responses and so forth. So you can tell us what we're missing from the list. But Steve, any last thoughts on the season? It was it was so fun to bring new faces onto our um, podcast to kind of break uh, our format a little bit. And I think like, I'm excited to see what happens next year, but really appreciate everybody who's, who's listened to even, you know, a few minutes of one of our episodes, because I think that Mike and I put a lot of like work and heart into this. And I mm -hmm. think that we love hearing reactions and recommendations from people. Uh, so keep giving feedback, honest, candid feedback. Mike, what about uh, you? Oh, I'm just, honestly, I want to double down on that, Steve, like, we love when we see like a tweet from someone we don't know and or comment for a request for an album. Just a couple that you all mentioned, Demita Joe by Janet Jackson. 
Rebel Heart by Madonna, although I love that album personally, Steve, so I don't know if we can do that because I will be biased 100%. But we see those requests, and honestly, please keep them coming because we will have a season three, and we're in the planning phase. And also, like, if any of you who listen to this podcast and want to be on it, shoot us an email, um, flopographypodcast at gmail.com. You can also just follow us on social media at flopographypodcast.com reach out to us, share your ideas, um, share the podcast with your friends, rate us in the Apple store. Spotify gives ratings now, um, like comment, subscribe, all that stuff. Thank you for the love. And we are so appreciative of it. To a happy, healthy, and great year of music in 2022, Mike. I hope there's no more flops in 2022. Peace out y'all. It feels like you.